Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to On The Continent, your definitive guide to the biggest stories in European football. I'm Dawson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Miguel Delaney. On this edition, the transfer season's done. Let the consequences begin. Who's done the best business? Who's lost out? And which is the impact transfer that will make the most difference? Also, are PSG the real deal holy field in this Champions League season? Or did they get found out by Monaco last weekend? And also 30 years on since the European Cup became the Champions League. What do we think of it so far? So, Andy, we're going to talk transfers, but before that, you've been enjoying some midweek games, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. And um, no, more, none more so than Paolo Dybala getting his first couple of Roma goals um, this week against uh, Silvio Berlusconi's Monza. We always have to preface it with Silvio Berlusconi, of course. Um, the Olympico's full. It's, it's an incredible atmosphere. Mourinho's done something incredible there by filling that stadium. Uh, they were a bit fortunate to get Dybala, but they're very pleased to have him. The first goal in particular, just showing what enormous class he, he still possesses. Um, if he stays fit, they're a danger. The other thing that I've really loved this week is the Lucas Campos transfer saga. The on-again, off-again, uh, Sevilla to Ajax. He was on a plane to Amsterdam to ink the deal when Ajax's supervisory board decided, actually, we think it's a bit expensive. 
and sent him back home <laughs> before he'd even landed. <laughs> it seems that that deal might have been revived now. Uh, you'll know before us because, um, yeah, we're recording slightly before the Dutch transfer deadline. But whilst we look back over the transfer window uh, this summer, Miguel, what, how would you <laughs> define this year's transfer window? Well, I mean, you can pick any number of figures. I'm basically touching on, on anything, a few things that Andy said there. But I suppose, yeah, being a, a journalist immersed in this. Immersed <laughs> um, or drowning? Yeah, drowning, drowning, I think. Um, and so, Anthony, the price he's gone for is close to double Spain's entire net spend, sorry, La Liga, sort of the top division's entire net spend this summer, which is remarkable given Barcelona. Um, or else you can go even further than that. Not for, Nottingham Forest have uh, what they've spent more than the entire Eredivisie. That might that, that gap might close a bit as Ajax now spend the Anthony money, but even that's just a fallout. And I know this podcast, is obviously, we're specifically not supposed to discuss English football, but there's a knock-on here in that, in a way I don't think we've ever seen before, not even with Syria in the 90s when it had its, you know, like it's what most people would consider kind of the greatest era of any league ever. We've never seen one competition singularly shape everything else, and, I, and that's my one takeaway from this window. And, and, and like I, we've we've reached a next stage almost, or an evil peak where um, the entire European football pyramid is narrower than ever. There's England at the top. There's two. Actually, that really, it's not. It's not about two or three leagues below that. It's about four or five super clubs. And then there's a straight drop. And even, like, just, just, I mean, we'll get into this in, in the show later on, but even from talking to agents about like where they're advising players of a certain level to go, it's no longer to leagues outside the major leagues. And we get, but uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, there, there's so much more going on, I suppose, than where players are moving. Yeah, Andy, I suppose as well, there's a consequence, uh, as uh, Miguel's uh, alluding to, a consequence of teams or agents around the world knowing, for example, that Manchester United, they've got a problem and they've got loads of money. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, I think, a short-term disadvantage for, for Premier League clubs and, and one that's existed for a while in that what bargaining position do you have if you can't say there's a limit to what yeah. we can pay? And they can't reasonably say there's a limit to, to what you can pay. So you could list the transfers, whether it be... Um, as Miguel was saying, whether it's Anthony, whether it's Alexander Isak, you know, whether whether it's Chelsea it's buying Fafana from, just, just, from Leicester. And exactly that. I, I was talking to someone involved in the Anthony deal on Saturday, mm. Saturday morning, and they were saying like that, I, at that point, I, and throughout Ajax's stance basically, we went into the summer window prepared to let, did the usual business model, prepared to let two or three players go and then rebuild the team. All, all, like, there's not too much unheaval, upheaval. We accept where we are in the, in the natural order of things at the moment, and we can rebuild from there. So they, that's why they could basically set such a high price for Anthony. And then United actually go beyond that. Because um, I, 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 I don't think it was really in their plan to get to, to lose him this summer. Now, obviously, Anthony, Anthony's own behaviour changed things. But it got to a point, even though they were adamant they weren't going to sell... They were basically persuaded by the, the the simple sentence. That's a lot of money to be to leave on a table. And and we've been here before <laughs> with the Premier League, haven't we? If you think of when Monaco won the title in 2017 and um, got so far in the, the the Champions League as well, that brilliant Monaco team with uh, Falcao, Bernardo Silva, um, Mbappe, etc., etc., etc. Their plan at the start of that season was to say at that start of that summer, I should say, was to 
lose two players was to sell Bernardo Silva and was to sell Timur Bakayoko. And they'd, they'd sorted that out before the season had ended. And then this offer comes in for Benjamin Mendy, which is a world record fee for a fullback. How do you turn down like 52 million for a, for a left back from, from Manchester City? And then you open the floodgates because then how do you say no to the rest of the players? You've sold the vision to the rest of those players. And obviously, from a financial standpoint, this is incredibly beneficial to these clubs. You know, for a long time, a lot of clubs in France, particularly, also Portugal, maybe we're getting there in Spain eventually, and certainly in Germany, are saying, right, okay, maybe we could take the view that these Premier League clubs are playing a different sport. We could also take the view that we will accept their inflated bids for our players, take that money, and with our strategy, Mm. we're going to rebuild. We're going to do well from here. And We've seen clubs do that before. But I think this is the the, the issue that Ajax were always trying to, struggling to keep a lid on with Anthony. You know, they'd already sold like five, six first teamers this summer. And then when you let a player go, whatever the fee, whatever the financial benefit, whatever the inability to refuse a deal that good, all of a sudden, other players have said, oh, well, I will stay for this season. They're going to want to go as as well. Because that's what happened with Mbappe, for example. He went into summer 2017 intending originally to stay with Monaco. And then after they've said they'll sell two players and all of a sudden it's four first teamers, well, that's a you lot of waste. You're wasting your career, basically. Exactly. That That is the feeling. Of course, it's not just all about Anthony. Paquetar as well. Decent signing, you would have thought. He's one of the headlines uh, from over there playing <laughs> over here now. And it's remarkable to me how you get... that. that if anything shows the incredible power of the Premier League, it's that a West Ham... Yeah can go and sign someone who is a mainstay of the Brazil we'll, 11. We'll, we'll get into this, but even the fact that now Chelsea are close to double the size of AC Milan. AC Milan very much in italics there. Mm. I mean, this is, this is you're one of Europe's most storied clubs. And I, like, we'll get into this in the discussion of what the Champions League is now. But I just find that such a... <laughs> I mean, we were talking about this off air, but basically football foreshadowing society, I think, in how there's so many structural inequalities built into it and we're getting to the point now where it's beginning to creak and you, you're, see, you're seeing Cost really tangible. of living crisis creaking? Um, more, more, I suppose it manifests in a different way more so that um, it, it's affecting its competitiveness essentially. So, so in the same way it, I suppose it's the lifeblood of the sport. It's, it's affecting that. Look, we've had a lot of comments on social media about the transfer window as you'd expect um, you can get in touch with us at any time during the course of the week at Football Ramble, at Dotton Adibayo, at Andy Brasson, at Miguel Delaney. This is from Alex on Twitter who says, which teams in the top five leagues, uh, and you can throw in some others for fun, have had the best and the worst windows? Who's done well and who's done less well for you? I think Dortmund have had a good window. I think we're only going to start to see that over the next little while because, of course, uh, Sebastian Aller um, becoming ill is something that couldn't have 
been foreseen. Um, it's good to see him out and about at the Eredivisie Awards. Quite an emotional moment for him, but um, he seemed positive and he, he said he's feeling good, which is a, a great thing, obviously. Um, but at, at the start of the season, um, one of their other big signings, Nicolas Zula, remember a centre-back that Bayern Munich actually wanted to keep, mm-hmm. but chose to go to, to Dortmund instead. He's been out injured a bit at the start of the season, coming back now. Sally Özcan, um, their midfield anchor, who was a cheap signing from Köln, but it's going to be brilliant for them. And that, they needed an anchor in front of that defence. Um, Dortmund have made their team a lot younger. I still think it's a pinch for them to challenge Bayern at the top. But in terms of the fact that they've signed the players they needed to, they've signed young players, and they've signed players, if you look at Zula, and if you look at Karim Adeyemi and Nico Schlotterbeck, really signed the spine of the Germany team go, yeah. go, going forward. So I think there's there's a sense that they might have to take up half a step back to actually go forward eventually. I, I, I think they've had a very good window and, and that'll start to become evident over the next couple of months. There's, there's an interesting dynamic there relevant to what we're all talking about as well, whereas Barca Sadio Mane Bayern have had to actually recalibrate their own transfer strategy because of the Premier League because now the Premier League basically just takes what used to be Bayern's most um, obvious fishing ground which was all the best players in the clubs around them. Yeah. So now they've had to kind of go they've had to go a completely different route which is almost kind of the Dortmund route and hence explained by trying to kind of you know t- take recruitment figures from Dortmund and, and other clubs. Um, I mean that, that potentially could create a little bit of flux in German football itself but, uh, but you mentioned Roma as well Andy I mean the one thing you could say there is suppose I mean we wait and see how they're going to do but it's in, it's you, you can't deny Mourinho's and I, I've, I've, it's been discussed in the pod before I, I do kind of uh, I'm, I'm not sure Mourinho's football is the most modern though. we'll see whether he evolves but he has kind of created a life around the club again his and magnetism also, yeah, is real yeah, still yeah and, and it does, in Italy at least and it does feel like I mean it feels like one of those, one of those old-fashioned Mourinho windows where he'd get two or three players into certain positions, very forensically doing them, and suddenly kind of just amplify the whole team. I mean, in a, in a way though, that they've been the beneficiary, Miguel, of these market forces that we were talking about, because as you were saying, there being two different transfer markets, really, the Premier League and the rest of of Europe, which, yeah. which I, I think is absolutely true. The fact that this year, that I, th- I think, Don, that the biggest thing about this year's transfer market is there have been so many like big A-list free agents who have struggled to get the deal D- they Dybala wanted. that you mentioned earlier on. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. He's, he's a great example. <laughs> and you look at him and Andrea Bellotti, who's j- just signed, of course, had a €100 million Euro buyout clause at Torino, which a few clubs had a look at and were, were really close to taking in previous years run out of contract and has gone to Roma on a free, but only signed once the season has already started because they were waiting for a few other bits to fall into place before they wanted to commit the money for him. They've signed him to quite an unusual contract. They've signed him to a one-year contract with an option of two if certain club achievements are met, like Champions League, etc., etc., etc. But I think for a player like Belotti, proven goal scorer at top level, good for Italy, European Championship winner. In a previous transfer window, he mm. gets snapped up in a flash. And that he has to wait. That Dybala has to revise his... And I realise he's had some injuries, but he's still a magnificent player. And he's still only, what, 28? 
that he's had to revise his salary expectations. That shows you what the what the market is, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, also the free agent thing. I mean, okay, it's not completely relevant to what you're talking about, but this is another recent and evolving dynamic in the window where basically, and I suppose Haaland has really set the, the trend for it. Uh, Mohamed Salah was also thinking about it, where players are gradually realising, given the money that's spent on transfer fees, well, sorry, players and their agents or rather the camps are realising, given the money spent on transfer fees, let our contract run down and more of that comes to us, which is very much a new dynamic. And and, 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 and also, I suppose, it ties into the kind of direction of travel of European football as well. I mean, it is a bit like Del Boy, who, who dares wins, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. really, if I think we're kind of heading towards that which we touched on a few times before, that sort of era of the freelance footballer. Jesse Lingard, actually, to take a Premier League example, is quite a good example of that. You know, going to Forest for a year and seeing how it's going. Bellotti's New Deal is an example of that. Of of course, you've got to to hedge it against what happens if I I get injured. Even Dybala's deal, you know, if, if Roma don't make the Champions League... He can leave for 20 million euros at the end of the season, which would still be a, a bargain for someone like him. I want to go back briefly to Alex's question, though. I know we've been all over the place here. <laughs> but um, the, in, in terms of the worst window, um, I, I, I would immediately say, I think Sporting losing their central midfield, albeit for an enormous amount of money. And again, that goes back to the theme of the the, the, the Premier League, losing Palinha to Fulham, uh, Matis Nunes to, to, to Wolves. You know, that really shows where the power is. A Champions League club having their central midfield taken away of two really good like, players who will be good for Portugal in the World Cup going forward. Um, that, that's, that's been tough for them. I, I think Galatasaray have had an interesting one. I'd, I think we'll only retrospectively be able to judge whether that's best or worst because they've spent, especially on wages, quite a lot of money. Seferovic, Lucas Toreda on a, on a permanent, uh, Dries Mertens, if, if only for a year, maybe Icardi, maybe Icardi. You know, and Sergio Oliveira, who, who won the Conference League with um, Roma last season on loan from Porto. All of this is a lot of commitment, especially when you consider the new Turkish TV deal is worth a third of the last one. I just don't know where the money's really coming from. So I guess that's going to, like, like, you know, we're only going to be able to know in, I think, a year's time whether they were brave and it worked or whether they took a massive gamble and it's hugely backfired. Unless you want to add to the best and worst uh, business of this summer transfer window, Miguel, I've got another question uh, on Instagram here uh, from Eddie who says, how does Anthony that we've been talking about fit into Manchester United? Well, I mean, it's a very interesting one because Manchester United would appear to have a fair view of that type of player, kind of uh, tricky wingers who who come inside. Um, But, I mean, Ten Hag... Uh, this is one of those situations where whatever we speculate, ultimately Ten Hag knows him better than anyone. Because I suppose one of the one of the unknowns with Anthony, I mean, he is a player what with just a one and three goal record, who's only who's very young, twenty one, and only has kind of two limit two, two years of limited experience in European football. So it's very hard to know even how he's going to adapt, uh, or whether Ten Hag will. Because one one thing I have been told is that Ten Hag from his first two games, which which explains some of his approach in the last two matches where the United won was that he was a bit stunned by 
the the real rise in quality in the bottom half of the Premier League. Uh, that, yeah. uh, and again, this ties into everything we're talking about. Uh, so he had to kind of recalibrate himself a little bit. Now, I suppose you can probably see Anthony as a player who can unlock things in that regard. Um, I suppose everyone is well aware of the footage of <laughs> the way he can manipulate a ball. Uh, but it's going to be... Um, it's going to be, especially when you, when you think that United's what they needed more than anything basically was essentially a number nine. But I suppose there aren't too many of those about. I think that's the issue, really. I think if you look at United's squad, look at how they could get more out of almost everyone there. I think that's what this signing is based upon. If you're moving towards ultimately some sort of Ten Hargish four three three, and you've got Anthony Wright coming in on his left foot. Um, Sancho on the left coming in on his right foot and Rashford or Martial who they really need to work on both in the centre then you've got your front three I th- I think Anthony will be okay I think there's a there's a huge ceiling for him I think it'll, it'll, it'll make it'll make an impact straight away but I think the good thing about him is he can get better and better and better he can handle himself he won't be intimidated and kicked out of games despite the fact yeah. he's he's smaller and I think that's super important uh, because he's, he's going to have a lot of eyes on on him but going back to I guess the two biggest signings in the Premier League of the last week both Brazilians him and Lucas Pacatar I think Pacatar will make the more instant impact one because he'll stand out more in, um, in, in in a West Ham team. Yeah. And bear in mind, this was a guy that Manchester City would have taken had Bernardo Silva gone. Of course, there wasn't the money to to to, to take him elsewhere. So for the for the second successive summer, Bernardo was considering a move away. I think he would have liked to. Not that he hates it at City or anything. He's he's fine at City, but he would like to try something different. He's quite an adventurous man of the world kind of guy. Um, so uh, Pakatar's a huge lift in quality for what West Ham are. Makes tackles, wins the ball, can play the last pass, can score goals, can go around players. He's going to be so entertaining. And again, is coming from, actually unlike Anthony, he's coming from a more physical league. So I think he'll be able to handle himself and hit the ground running pretty quickly. Casi seis y medio de la prórroga. Parece que le va a pegar Ronald Koeman. Le va a pegar Kuma, le pega Kuma, gol, gol del Barça, gol de Kuma, ha marcado el Fútbol Club Barcelona. Let's talk about something slightly different. PSG, just when you thought that they were ready, having had what you describe as a sensible transfer window, Andy, just when I you... I mean, th- it pains me to say that. Well, mm-hmm. nevertheless, <laughs> it's true. just when you thought that they were fit for purpose, the purpose being to win the Champions League, they go and draw one all against Monaco. Does that show... Perhaps uh, the creaks in PSG. Well, we've got every reason with what's happened with PSG over the last few years to be, you know, we want to look ahead for clues of what's going to happen in the Champions League. And we have reason to question them because Monaco are the first really good opposition that they've played this season. And Monaco came at them with a plan and it, it largely worked. I mean, you, you know, I'm sure you'd have seen the highlights, listeners, and, you know, they hit the woodwork a couple of times. It came back well in the second half, PSG. At least a couple and of times. A couple of times Just in go. one move. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was but, a good one. That yeah, good it was. One. But um, I think what, what was interesting is 
how that how they Monaco approached it because Monaco played very very bravely. They were super aggressive, especially in the first half. Not a lot of teams are going to dare like that to play like against them like that when you know that Kylian Mbappe's over your shoulder. Mm. You're going to mm. press high with Mbappe over your shoulder. Yeah. It was pretty daring. And it, it, it worked. I mean, they cut Renato Sanchez out of the game on his first start. He couldn't get involved at all. What I thought was quite interesting, when we talked about that um, that sensible transfer window that PSG have, have had, I mean, the, the, the main difference is the midfield. So they brought in Renato Sanchez. Um, Fabian Ruiz is, is just joining. It looks like Carlos Soler is coming from Valencia too. Um, but the one really is Vitinha who we've talked about a couple of times already, um, who arrived from Porto, who is kind of to play with Verratti, but insurance policy against Verratti's Verratti-isms as well of suspensions and injury. And, you know, they were far too reliant on him in the in the past. I mean, he's had some magnificent nights in the Champions League, but you just can't trust his, his availability. Yeah. This was, because he was suspended and... Hats off, it's, it's an incredible effort being suspended for accumulation of yellow cards in August. Vitinha was badly missed in, in, in this game. And I think it's shown what balance he's, he's brought to the team. This sensibility, though, it's also, for me, and from what... Because uh, I'm, I'm planning to write something on PSG as soon as it's a big enough Champions League game, basically. <laughs> uh, but they've got Juventus in, in a few weeks. Um, yeah, so it but where Di Di Maria has gone, of course, and and that's relevant to what I'm going to say, I suppose. Where it's a sensible transfer, but also I think part of very much a transitional spell that could go on two or three years, uh, which which could bring some impatience because ultimately, I suppose this is all about re- recalibrating the, not just the team but the entire squad around Mbappe and what he wants. As everyone's seen the kind of the reports about his relationship with Neymar now, but there's something bigger there in the sense that from what I've been told. Part of the discussions in the summer, and every like, I mean, of course, these are central to Mbappe signing a new deal. Is also that he wants, uh, or he he would at least be better disposed toward a squad that is full of young, hungry players that can press and away from this kind of star system. Mm. Now, I suppose a more cynical person could say. <laughs> because there's only room for one star here, <laughs> yeah. And even the kind of the, the interest in Marcus Rashford, which was very genuine, that was all about because because PSG would would see him as someone who they can refashion into essentially a runner for Mbappe as he moves centrally when Met, when Messi goes next year. And it feels like Galtier, even even though I think what he's doing is very sensible with the team, but it's at the start of this process. Uh, and, I, and I suppose not for the first time at PSG, almost trying to fit things between various politically motivated pressures. Yeah, I mean, there are there are a couple of ways of of, of looking at this, really, aren't, aren't there? Because um, because Mbappe wanted influence before signing again, um, a lot of people. It's, it's kind of been willfully misinterpreted in some case of he's the de facto sporting director (laughs) so basically he had to come out and say look I'm a player I'll always be just a player and it's like well that's slightly disingenuous as as well isn't it because he's more than a player you know he's a a figurehead for Paris and he's a figurehead for for Paris Saint-Germain as well as being a, a figurehead for French football and him staying in French football has been 
very warmly received by rival managers. There's no concern about competitive balance within the league. It's a depressing situation, that, isn't it? It, it, it no, is, but, but I think because they came so close to absolute financial meltdown, yeah. I think that's part of it as well. Like Messi arrived at the right time. All of a sudden they could sell like foreign TV rights yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. I don't think it's too dramatic to say that Messi arriving, even if it's been slightly underwhelming on the pitch saved a few clubs you know who were in serious problems after after the media pro deal yeah, fell, yeah. fell, fell so through you're talking about French clubs in general beyond PSG yeah absolutely okay. uh, but I think French football has, has had this feeling for a while even before that meltdown because when Ibrahimovic arrived it wasn't right okay they're going to fly away with mm. the league now and this guy's an absolute giant it was oh he's going to play in our stadiums that's great. More people will be watching French football, not more people will be watching PSG win 4-0 at, at, at Clermont or, <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or whatever, which is quite an interesting attitude. But, but to, go, to go back to Mbappe briefly, I, I think there's a difference between him having influence and micromanaging everything. Of yeah, co- absolutely. Of, absolutely. Of, yeah, course, yeah. of course he has influence. And without, I think you look at all these signings and they're very Luis Campos, Christophe Galtier signings. So clearly they are being listened to and they have a level of authority. And you've seen that level of authority, by the way, that Christophe Galtier has gone with, say, Icardi or other players that he doesn't consider important. That all the best to you, but you're not in my squad go and train with the kids. I'm I'm not interested in you. And that was not something that, say, Pochettino ever did or felt empowered to do. But the reason that Luis Campos and Gauti are there is, of course, because they're Mbappe approved, because they align with the same vision. That doesn't mean he's micromanaging everything, but it does mean that PSG... You could argue that their interests align with Mbappe's vision. But it's in their interest so, that their vital. vision aligns with Mbappe. Of course, and it's vital in all of this that we're talking about with Campos and Galtier. It's vital that those two work together. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. I would have thought. Well, you decided that as Enrique as well, isn't it? Mm. Uh, so, I mean, there are well, still... they've been kind of ganging up on him, haven't yeah, they? There's still, there's still residual politics at PSG. <laughs> it's not... It's not uh... <laughs> but, but the question, when you look at that midfield of Carlos Sola, uh, Fabian Ruiz, added to Vitinha and Renato Sanchez, it does look formidable, as they would say. <laughs> However, um, I just wonder if the, the chinks in their attempt to uh, win the Champions League finally are being shown, are being exposed by the likes of Monaco. I'm, 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 I'm not sure about that. I mean, I suppose, but again, just because even the psychology of a, of a league game is so difficult, so different, to, and it should be stressed, to a Champions League knockout game, not a group stage game. Um, and also, I mean, it's something I can't help thinking as well. I mean, both, both Bayern and PSG drew at the weekend. have been the two most dominant clubs at Manchester City over the past five years, there, especially with Juventus's drop-off. And if we're seeing, like, Monaco, Monaco are... Well, the, the second last team, the last team other than Lille to win the uh, the French title, um, other than mm. PSG. And if we're talking about them, not be like, <laughs> well, what, what does it say for PSG in the league if if this is held as some kind of great problem or, or revelation? Monaco hold them to a draw where they really have to kind of push themselves to the maximum, both tactically and and in terms of effort. An, an interesting thing I, I, I was going to say. Don, something you were pointing out to me off 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 air. Uh, Donnarumma looking a little bit malleable. And when Miguel, you talk about moving away from that star system, 
it is quite deeply entrenched because yeah. I know there's a difference. We talk about younger and the future and the age profile. When they go with Donnarumma and, you know, Kaylo Navas might still leave this week, they've gone with the wrong goalkeeper. But, 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 like yeah, like yeah. Navas is the right goalkeeper, yeah. but, <laughs> despite this, the age thing. But this is the other thing with PSG is when no matter the power at that kind of mid-level in terms of making the football decisions, there's also the whole, a whole other thing going on, right? and we, which is also multi-layered, which is obviously the Emir right at the top who still watches training. Yeah, from time to time. Then there's the kind of the Qatari linked power underneath that where he does, even underneath Nasser, there's all sorts of kind of figures with their own power bases. And like I was talking to one previous PSG coach about this and he was saying that anytime he drop a player, now I suppose this, all of this is an attempt to move away from this, but again, it's it's going to take time. Anytime he drops certain players, they just complain to kind of directors who are friendly towards them or more disposed Gosh. towards them. <laughs> and I, and this, that's a cultural thing that it isn't solved immediately. Al Costa, Valdo. Ginola, qui a dribblé Sanchez. Échappe au tacle de Chendo, retrait pour Georgia et but de Georgia après 32 minutes de jeu. Le Paris Saint-Germain ouvre le score, centre de Ginola, but de Wea. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble.
we've been tip-tapping around the uh, whole issue of the Champions League, which is about to begin. Uh, your thoughts, both of you, on the draw, first of all. There is one perhaps obvious group of death. We'll talk about that in a moment. But there are um, big ties and also big groups to draw attention to in general. Is there too much of a divide, though? When you look at the draw as it is, is there too much of a divide between the haves and the haves not this year? Oh, I mean... It's not, it's not this year. It's that this year is the next evolution of a process that's been going on 30 years. And we're now at the point where, put bluntly, the group stage is not proper sporting competition. It's a balance sheet in that well, we, we, this has been the trend of the last 10 years. 14 or 15 of the 16 wealthiest clubs are all going to go through. And if, if again, if it conforms to the trends of the last 10 years, we might have one, maybe two places up for grabs on the last day of the Champions League. And I, I I don't think it really is kind of back in the day or like when I was a teenager, football was better to say that it was a more, it was a more preferable situation when we, when the Champions League group stages, we had multiple multiple positions going right to the wire. That's what it should be about. And hence, they're going to change the group stage in two years' time uh, to, the, to the Swiss system. It's very weird, isn't it, to think it was maybe more competitive when there were two group stages. I know, I know. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's remarkable. Is it? Is it like, I saw somebody say on social media this week, are we really talking about uh, a European Super League by default? You know, we, we'll, we'll pretend it's not really that, but actually we know that the next round will essentially be that if we're following Miguel's line of thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the money has been an issue, particularly on, on, on wages, really. It's, it's about wage bills rather than fees, and that's yeah. something that can get twisted, I think, in the transfer window particularly. Because if you, if you look at... Let's take Bayern as, as, as an example. Um, they are a team that has spent over €40 million Euros on a player three times in their history which does not seem like a lot, which would put them, I guess, in the second half of the Premier League, really, wouldn't it? Almost. Um, or maybe yeah. maybe at a kind of Leicester City kind of kind of level. You know, and you, you think the two players, they spent 43 and a half on Corentin Soliso, Euros, and then they spent nearly twice that on Luca Hernandez and uh, Matisse de Ligt, who were both defenders. Which is remarkable, but it's about the wages. The other issue here, particularly with this this year's draw, is you look at some of the teams who we would expect to hit hard and, you know, like at least inconvenience the elite, the favourites for the competition. I think you're looking at, so we touched on it before, Dortmund are in a bit of a transitional phase. Um Ajax and Napoli have lost a, a, a lot of key players this summer and it, it feels like a, a sort of changing of the guard there. Sevilla have been all over the place because they couldn't move and do anything until they sold um, Diego Carlos eventually to Aston Villa and, and, and Jules Koundé to, to Barcelona. So those clubs that we expect to at least titillate the teams at the top and maybe not in the position to do so. So yeah. let's, let's say if you look at that group with uh, Manchester City, for example, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in previous years, if they're stuck in with Sevilla and Dortmund, City are still the favourites, but yeah. you think, okay, there's scope for something to go wrong there. I, d I don't think there really is I, th actually, th th this year. Yeah, you know, you know what? That's, that's a good way of putting it. And it's almost like European football's, or sorry, the Champions League's upper middle class has actually been wiped out this year. Um, yeah. 
just because it could it's actually a classic example Atletico yeah Atletico Ajax all these clubs that have performed mm. well in recent years and it's also why I think an outside chance for a surprise could actually be Rangers to get through that group you think so yeah Napoli have lost a spine of the team Ajax have lost a spine of the team both have to kind of restructure there's unknowns about them and at the very least they're vulnerable I agree I think the two mm. Scottish teams yeah. are, are actually it, it would not it would not stun me if both Scottish teams got through into the last 16. Yeah. Because I, I agree with your point on Rangers totally. And I think more importantly, their form in Europe, yeah, going back yeah. before Van Bronckhorst, they can handle the big games. They can handle the big ties. They manage them very well. Also, I think if you look at the the group, I think you can look at Celtic facing Real Madrid first up at Parkhead. I'm going to that. Looking forward to it. What a game. So, what a game. Yeah, what a yeah, night yeah. that's going to be. You're a lucky man. <laughs> uh, and I think if you look at that group, Leipzig looking at a change of strategy. You know, they've got and bought back Timo Werner and they spent nearly 30 mil on David Raum this summer as well, which is a departure for them. And they, they've been struggling to keep some players like Emil Forsberg, for example, happy. And I, I think they'll probably find that with Andre Silva down, down the line. So they're in a bit of a state of flux. Obviously, what's happened to... Shakhtar is completely out of their control of course, following, yeah. following the invasion of Ukraine. But, you know, we think of Shakhtar of being blessed with you know, great Brazilian players. They've got three overseas players in their squad this year and we really don't know what to expect from them. So I, I, I think Celtic can have they, a reasonable pop at that second place. But Rangers, look at the group they're in. So Celtic in Group F, Rangers in Group 8, facing Ajax, Liverpool and Napoli. They're going to have a really hard time trying to get out of that maybe, group. Maybe, but I, I think there's such a changeover yeah, at, at Napoli and Ajax. You know, both of mm. those mm. have lost like four or five key players out of their 11. And and so that is, I think, an opportunity for Rangers. I think you also look at the fact, going back to the, the same thing that keeps coming up about Premier League power, if you've got one absolute ultra favourite in the group that polarises yeah, the, yeah, that's the, exactly, the, the yeah. rest of the group I think you can probably say that for Tottenham's group as well yeah. with Eintracht Frankfurt Sporting and Marseille who are all difficult on their day and those are three amazing away trips for Tottenham fans course, by the way yeah. if there are any Tottenham fans listening get yourself out there you'll have a great time <laughs> uh, I think you, you look at those and that is going to be an almighty scrap for that that second place I think um, Shall I tell you a funny story? Funny aside, uh, my plumber who lived down the road yeah. from me, he's just separated from his wife and he thinks it was one of those away trips for Tottenham uh, when they were in the Champions League previously. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, genuinely, he's, he's gutted about it, but nevertheless... Well, at least he's okay. free to go to any of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he is now. Take your pick. He'll be delighted, I'm sure. Uh, I think it was Portugal that cost him the last time. I could be wrong. Anyway, just talking of this, Dara on Insta says... Barca have got a tough Champions League group. How important is European success financially to them? They are, as you've been mentioning, in Group C, which I guess is the group of death. Are we all agreed on that? Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's fair. Well, I suppose, I mean, this actually articulates the, the risk for Barcelona, probably better than anything else, in that now I know it's been a debate of the summer and... Some of the Catalan or Spain, Spanish-based media have been resistant to what they would see as English criticism of Barcelona. Um, <laughs> now, one of the issues for me has been, and, and like I think we all accept Barcelona were in a difficult situation. So it's really about the path out and 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 the way they went out, um, or the way that they would, the way they've, they've sought to to go out of it. Um, 
But one of the issues for me, I suppose, it's not just that they've kind of, because obviously they have to stabilise and recalibrate the squad, but they haven't just recalibrated it. They are, are kind of sought to bring in kind of like one or two players, or maybe a Lewandowski, on top of a really good youth structure. They've spent, I think, what is it now? It's a third of their overall debt to Goldman Sachs in one summer. So they owe six hundred million in ten years, and they're spending two hundred million this summer. And what? And, and that is predicated on. There is a logic to it, but I would say it's a very risky logic. It's predicated on the potential commercial returns of being a glamorous team always in big competitive games. That's what this is. And 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 of course, none being more glamorous than the Champions League latter stages. And then suddenly and they're placed in what everyone sees as probably the most difficult group of the lot. Um with with three giants, what is it? Something like five 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 and two five five and three um, 13 European Cups between them and then Pilsen there but even Pilsen actually creates makes a difficult situation because you would think everyone would get six points off them and then if you drop anything it's a disaster it, it, this yeah. is it exactly and if, you, if you've won a game where, which Barca can be prone to do so as we saw in the opening game of the season against Rio where they, could, they can pepper someone and it just you know because the way they play naturally leads teams to have a kind of a low block approach against them mm. and sometimes you can have one of those games and it, it just it does kind of articulate the, the risk here for Barcelona, if so much is predicated on being an ultra glamorous team and the commercial returns of that. So, I mean, football has a, can have a way of kind of conspiring against you in that way. And one way has been the, lit- the literal look of the draw here. I mean, but Bayern and Inter have had their issues in this summer's market. I, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say. And there's, in recent days, Simone and Zaghi, the Inter coach, has been a little anxious about getting at least one more defender on board. Um, but you have to look at them, the players they have, and the fact that they're more established, grounded, know each other better, um, you know, on paper, these are two better teams than Barcelona. So I think that is a thing. But what you were saying, Miguel, there about um, the idea of, you know, shooting for the stars, that is the Joan Laporta yeah, mantra. Yeah. You know, that's what he did the first time yeah. at Barcelona. That speculate to accumulate thing yeah, in his yeah. first spell. It's just doing it with much bigger numbers this time. Yeah, that, that's, exactly. That's the reason you sign Lewandowski, for example, not because the team really needs him. Okay, he's very nice to have. He's still a great goal scorer. No one's denying that. But if you look at the forwards they already had... He's a star. Exactly. He's a star. La Portistas will look at the first couple of games of the season and go, look, we filled it up when we played via the league. Whereas if you go back 10 months, we were getting... 40,000 in the pissing rain against yeah. Benfica in the Champions League. Uh, but he, but he, and even that is a bit of a short-term view, though, because, I mean, in light of this, I was looking at uh, Ferran Soriano's book, uh, and which, of course, and his thinking was central to Laporta's mm. 20 years ago, and Ken Early did a very good article on this. And um, Soriano talks exactly about the kind of choices in that situation in 2003. And 2003, I suppose, wasn't as, it wasn't as existential a threat as it was now. As it was now. And it, one is that you can... You can just cut back spending, you know, trim your squad and and build slowly. But then that's just not what Bar- Bar- that's not what Barcelona do. And you know, and he referred to and it's a phrase that's been used a lot in football now. And actually refers to what the Champions League is in itself for the big clubs, a virtuous cycle where the more you're in the biggest games, the more the more kind of glamorous you are, the more commercial revenue you get, and on and on and on until you're kind of dominating all the stars. But the one thing I've thought about in all this, and some of this actually applies to Manchester United as well. Because of all this and because the need to be just kind of the centre of it all the time, 
and clubs they're, they don't only believe in fallow years anymore do they even though a fallow year can, can be or a kind of a rebuilding period can be the best possible thing for a, for a team exactly I think it's really interesting when you consider that Barcelona partly for sponsorship reasons align themselves so closely with the Golden State Warriors. They're like, we're, we're the Warriors of football mm. and, and they're the Barcelona of basketball. But like the, the Warriors were fine with having their fallow year. And the Warriors, if you look at the way that they've run in terms of moving into a big new arena, in terms of betting heavily on the star model and sticking with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, that they've aligned themselves in a similar way in a lot of ways. And they've, they've not had problem paying big wages, big bills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they were fine with having that fallow year. And that, seemingly to Barcelona, was the worst possible idea. Despite the fact they had loads of young players which would have allowed... Of immense quality, which would have allowed them to go back to lean on, leaning on their brand, actually, yeah, 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 wouldn't exa- it? Exactly, exactly. Uh, whereas, whereas instead, they've actually kind of eroded some of their, <laughs> their brand values, essentially. Kind of, the romance of Barca's they've gone. Be, they've become more Real Madrid than Galactico's yeah. era Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, got yeah. a question for you from Andrew on Twitter. He's asked, any teams in the Europa League or the Conference League that play an interesting style will have a nice story are all are otherwise worth keeping an eye on. Uh, we've been talking about the big names. Talk about some of the others now. A- a- anybody come to mind? Well, look, I think there are two that I'd look at straight away, both in English teams groups. Um, we would be doing Lars Sievertson dirty if we didn't mm-hmm. mention Bodo Glimt. Um, almost the last team to qualify for the Champions League. You know, they're three minutes away from a penalty shootout against Dinamo Zagreb, which could have seen them through, and it would have been an extraordinary story Amazing. to see them in the Champions a- League. Unbelievable story. Uh, and now, now they're in that group with with Arsenal. That They're really interesting to watch, and I look forward to Lars taking us through them in greater <laughs> detail in the coming weeks. Um, the other... Post Alexander Isak yeah, talking yeah, of irrefusable deals. Glad you brought him back into the conversation. Actually, r- r- I think that's r- an amazing deal. I think it's a really interesting deal. Mm. Again, very high ceiling. Like Anthony, they're Newcastle are paying for the next couple of years. They're not just paying for for now. I, I, th- I think he'll eventually be great for them. But it gives Real Sociedad a lot of latitude, and you know maybe look at them for a, a couple of late deals if you're if you're listening to this. They're not hampered like their neighbours from Athletic are only bringing in Basque players. I mean, they will always say because Athletic nicked our Basque players, the best Basque players and our players, we were forced to go out and yeah. Except foreigners. That was, you know, that, that so was the, got, the John Aldridge, Daly and Atkinson. Ex- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Richardson, all, 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 of, all, of, all of those. But they will actually go out into the market and, and buy overseas players. And they've got lots of exciting attacking players anyway. It's time to ask you, uh, both of you, to suggest a game of the week, or each of you. One game each, please. Uh, I'll go for... Osasuna, Rayo Vallecano. Any opportunity to bring up my, uh, my local <laughs> team in not? Spain. Why not? But, but it's also, I think it's an interesting contrast week. All the more so because Osasuna actually started the, the season really well uh, with, with two wins before last week's defeat. And also there's a contrast in the sense that, as, as Andy put it earlier when we were all fair, it's basically one of Spain's most combustible clubs in Rayo Vallecano against one that, like Osasuna are genuinely, they're actually a modern, um, I'm sorry, a model club. They're how a club should be run. Potentially, and I'm stealing a point off Rory Smith. Actually, I should give him credit there. They're kind of they they do represent a kind of uh, a future path for other clubs, especially in 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 everything we're talking about financial disparity, how it's affecting the game. 
Osasuna do have an advantage and this is actually little known in that they're one of the four Spanish clubs who are member owned along with the three famous ones Madrid, Barca and Athletic Bilbao uh, but also they've got an incredible youth policy Athletic Bilbao actually regularly um, strips them of players so not that popular in the area for that play play a good brand of football now a good technical brand and also it's just it's kind of renowned as a place that's so difficult to go to they're at home this weekend and uh it's also it's, it's, given that we're not at the point where a league has yet taken shape and we don't know where you know who's in the mix for what. The it's a, it's a good time thing to focus on games like this. And Chimmy Avila is actually fit at the moment. Yeah, so drink yeah. it in while you can. But what, talking of drinking, what are we going to eat with it? Um, I'd go for some chistora. Chistora, what's that? Chistora. It's basically a kind of a pork from the a specific pork from the uh, spicy pork from the area. Sort of similar. Chorizo, but you eat it warm and has a great sauce around it's, it. It's funny, I once missed the bull run at Pamplona by mere minutes because we were on our way to the start line at about, I guess it would be. You were not going to run in front of the bulls, though. Well, that, that was the plan. We were all going to get involved. Yeah. And um, it was about quarter to seven in the morning, and we saw the uh, Casa de Jamon yeah, on the yeah. way, and that distracted us. And we we it's missed up. Excuse, we though. missed up. We missed our mark. It was worth it. It, it was, was it, it was worth it. What about a game of the week from you? Um, I'm going to go nice and simple. Saturday night, Milan derby. Uh, Milan versus Inter. Um, Milan have got a new young star on their hands in uh, Charles de Catalere, who just um, turned up from Club Brugge after painstaking negotiations looked brilliant uh, on his full debut against Bologna last week look forward to seeing a lot more of him and uh, obviously no Ibrahimovic versus Lukaku because they're both injured Inter have had a few little issues but when you bear in mind that um, you know they were able to sweep past Cremonese this week because they can always call on uh, Hiking Correa um, they can call on um, Edin Dzeko they've got so many options up front uh, yeah and Alexis Sanchez of course got a couple of um, his, his first couple of goals for Marseille in that um, previous game of the week uh, Nice Marseille last week um, they've got that they've, they've got Inter have got like an incredible midfield still as well. So it's going to be a real clash of the Titans. I think because of blackout rules, you missed the first 15 minutes. So I think you can get yourself... Um, Pastoral pizza. Yeah, you can get yourself... Yeah, I, I, I guess it's Saturday night in front of the telly. It's, it's, it's got to be a, a pizza of quality, <laughs> some sort of a thin-based margarita. Let's not overcomplicate things. And, uh, and make, uh, make sure you've got everything ready in that first 15 minutes before you actually get to watch the game. Are you getting dominoes? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Cartilage is going to get you yeah. for that. Come on. Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.